solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Monday edition of the Locked On Texas Podcast, or a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> I am John, some sports guy Hickman. Thank you for making the Locked On Texas your first listen every day. And of course, I'm one half of the co-host of the Locked On Texas on the other side of the screen. is none other than Cody Davis. Super excited for today. So, y'all see my Halloween outfit? Oh, <laughs> my God. We didn't get a victory Monday. You know what? <laughs> And for those of you listeners who listening on the podcast, please be sure to go to YouTube and subscribe because John Halloween costume is a paper bag over his head. I which means... get I'm a Texas fan. I'm a Texas fan. We're going to talk Texas today, right? We gonna oh, do that. my God. They said the attendance was 66,000 tickets sold. Either you were in, uh, you dressed up as a, a, a stadium seat. At the game on Sunday against the LA Rams, which we're going to get into, or you uh, you had one of these, you had one of these on. Cody, go ahead and get the folks a rundown. And let's talk Texans, man. And on this Monday installment of Locked On Texans, we are going to break down and discuss the 38 to 22 defeat that the Houston Texans sustained at the hands of the, of the Los Angeles Rams. This team is now on a seven game losing streak, they are one in seven. And John, look at this point, I just feel like if I could just take last week's show copy and paste and put it in this week's show, it's going to be the same exact thing. So on this Monday installment, of course, we're going to discuss what we've seen from the offense, which was nothing up until the fourth quarter when they scored 22 unanswered points. And ladies and gentlemen, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit conflicted to how I should feel about the Texans ending this game with 22 points unanswered. And I'm going to tell you why later on in the show but of course john we got to talk about the stats and after we give these numbers we got to talk about this defense and i just want to say like i mentioned every single day here on locked on texans i got a moonwalk i thought that i thought the defense especially the secondary was was better was going to be better for this year but unfortunately it has not and by the way it, it yeah. is a little bit fitting it, it, it ain't that much better, John. Come on, especially yeah. these last three games. I, I was thinking they would be at least middle of the pack this year. So got to do some moonwalking about this defense, at least the secondary that is. And it's a little bit fitting knowing that I'm moonwalking the day after Halloween because we all know the, the late great Michael Jackson dominate Halloween's with his Thriller album. So, you know, it's just a little bit fitting. Absolutely. But for the Houston Texans, they did suffer the loss, 38-22, uh, to 22, seven games in a row that we've lost, right? Davis Mills, 310 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked five times. Another atrocious performance by that offensive line. And like you mentioned, Cody, we could copy and paste from last week, the week before, and insert it to, into today, and we'll get the same. It's just been completely pathetic. For the run game, Rex Burkhead led the rushing attack with four carries for 21 yards. He also had one touchdown, but as a total, as a team, the Houston Texans rushed 
the ball for 14, 14 times for 44 yards. Brandon Cooks had a big day, six catches for 83 yards. Rookie Nico Collins and rookie Brevin Jordan, they had, you know, I, I would say a good performance. Nico Collins had four catches for 55 yards. Brevin Jordan, the tight end who had been inactive, healthy scratches for the first seven, six games, I'm sorry, seven games of the year. He had three catches, 41 yards, and one touchdown in his debut. And as for a team, the Houston Texans, once again, they came into this season, they talked about discipline. They talked about being well-prepared. Six penalties for 38 yards. Six penalties is what I'm, I, I'm highlighting right now. Not necessarily the yardage lost, but six penalties. Also, Houston allowed 165 yards on the ground. That's how much the L.A. Rams rushed for. And Matt Stafford, he had a day after the first three quarters blazing Houston's defense he set out that fourth quarter, which is something that will be interesting to discuss later in the show. Houston, who outside of the last two games, they were a pretty good team on third down. However, Sunday's matchup against the L.A. Rams, 4-12 on third downs, completely unacceptable. They have not been able, again, to move the ball consistently outside of the fourth quarter. They held the ball for 26 minutes, 25 seconds on Sunday with one turnover, as I mentioned, that interception thrown by Davis Mills. They are not a good football team. They are hard to watch. Fans who have maybe already bought their tickets are not coming to the football team. The team looks unresponsive. The team doesn't look like they have a lot of fight in them. The team, against starters at least, we saw what the fourth quarter was about, but this team has continuously looked on a consistent basis lethargic on both sides of the ball. And let me say this, we're going to talk about this defense, right, Cody? We're going to start it off with the defense, okay? Tweet through it. Lonnie Johnson. Your time in Houston is coming up, right? I don't think it'll be a trade. I think Lonnie Johnson is a player that's just going to have to see it through, just like he tweets it through. But you cannot continuously go on social media the way you do with your comments. Consistently, consistently, we got to get better. We got to do better. And then, you know, I wasn't necessarily mad at the Mark Ingram comment that he made on Twitter because when you see somebody go to a better situation, you should be happy for him. But overall, how many times during the game did he just completely miss a block? Lack of effort, bad coverage, once again. And we have, at least on this show, which are three interceptions on the year, which we are happy for you. But on this show, we've said how much of a better option you've been for Houston at that position. And I still think so, because I don't believe the other options are pretty good for Houston, i.e. Eric Murray, i.e. one of the free agents that they brought in. But you are not doing yourself a good job of separating yourself from everybody else at that safety position. We know Justin Reed is number one, who's been playing free and strong safety throughout the course of the year. But Lonnie Johnson, you have been terrible in coverage and this was the game that if we go back a couple of years ago remember when he got kicked out of practice because he was hitting boys too hard in, in preseason where is that now where is that now there was countless times where i i'd witnessed lonnie johnson just run up throw your shoulder dip, dip barely dip the shoulder out there to make a tackle and the guy ran right past him on a whiff block or when you're not getting you're, 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 you're back enough already. I'm mentioning the, the Vance Jefferson big catch. You're back already, 
you're pedaling, but your angle is terrible. Your angles are terrible. And then you, your brake is bad as well. You're breaking the, the opposite direction of the ball that you should be breaking. And you're allowing your receiver, who's already being covered by his uh, by the cornerback on him at the time. I can't remember the corner. But you're already allowing that receiver to get behind you when you're already playing about 25 to 30 yards back. There's no excuse anymore for this young man. And we do hope that he gets better on the show. Like, we're not trying to execute him because of his game. But you have been terrible. The only bright spot for this defense, I would say, has been John Grenard, who has got his seventh sack of the year. This guy has been amazing for this defensive front. And I think at times that defensive looked good. The defensive front looked good as a unit. Malik Collins made some plays up front. Uh, Ominahu being back there does help out what the rest of the defensive line can do because he's a 3-5 type of player. You can kind of mix him up. But overall, this defense has looked bad. This cover two defense has looked bad. It's looked predictable. And at some point, you're going to have to show something and back out of it with another show, with another, with, with another, um, with another front. Okay, your, your, your post-snap, your pre-snap, I'm sorry, is cover two. Your post-snap is cover two. This is not the early 2000s where you can kind of confuse players anymore with this zone. They are coming into the league ready in the zone Look what they're doing in college against his own. And yesterday you took on Matthew Stafford, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the top MVP candidates for this season. And he's finally out of Detroit. He got Cooper Cup looking like Megatron. And you are deciding to stay in that cover two zone. That's a problem for Houston. This defense who gave up 38 points. Uh, it was 38 to zero at one point. And in L.A., you know, they put out their, their backups. They were a goose egg. Is there going to be change at some point is my question, listeners. And, Cody, I'm going to pass it over to you. But one thing I have not seen from this team has been adjustments. And to be honest with you, John and listeners, I think that's what I'm most disappointed in when I talk about this new coaching staff. Because remember, OTAs, training camp, preseason, and even through the first, what, three games of the regular season. One of the things I was talking about was all of the adjustments that we were seeing from Tim Kelly. We're going to touch on him in the next segment and especially Lovey Smith, how the way he was using, putting guys in different situations that looked like they was getting the best versions of that players. I don't know what transpired after that new England Patriots game, but John, this is why I say that game was the nail in the coffin to the Texans season. And I'm bringing that game up because you mentioned that Lonnie Johnson has made some improvements to his game this year. And, and I do want to give him credit where credit has. is due. However, the last three games, we have seen the bad version of Lonnie Johnson. And I, I wanted to bring it up because right after that game, what did David Cully and Lovey Smith do? They benched the guy, and this was a guy who was playing the best ball of his career. They benched him going into that game against the Indianapolis Colts, and we have not seen the good version of Lonnie Johnson. We have not seen the aggressive version of Lonnie Johnson these last three games like we have seen 
over the last five games prior to his benching going into that Indianapolis Colts game. And if that is the case, I do want to say that this is more of a mental aspect that is going on with Lonnie. Now, once again, I get it. You look at these players, you might think to yourself, what you mean mental aspect? It's all about going out there and executing the X's and O's. While you are correct, at the end of the day, these players are human. And you can tell by the number of tweets that Lonnie Johnson put out every single week. We threw it. This guy takes stuff personally and and another reason why i wanted to talk about him getting benched the texans are making adjustments but they are making the wrong adjustments because just like it did not make sense for them to bench lonnie johnson it did not make sense for them to give charles and who not one but two healthy scratches back to back and and by the way the, the defensive front has looked better um at the start of the season, but those two games where Charles Minnehu did not play, the only one that looked good from that defensive from that defensive front was John Grenard. He was the only one, and that defensive front took a step back, and it started and it peaked the last two games once again because they started giving Charles Minnehu the snaps. This 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 coaching staff I feel is more so to blame than a product that they are putting out there on the field. And John, I know this I is something that you wanted to touch on, but I'm gonna just touch on it a little bit. We could expand on it. We can expand expand on it another time because look, trade deadline coming up Tuesday, so of course we're gonna be talking we about talk a about lot that. about a lot about trades over the next couple of days. But I'm starting to see the reason why Lovey Smith was one of the worst defensive coaches in college football because this Tampa two defense, as you have stated here, as, as, as um, Brandon Scott has stated here on locked on Texans, I believe our good friend Aaron Wilson has said the same thing. It's well, outdated. And Big Sarge said the same thing. It's outdated. And I didn't want to believe it at first because of course I'm still looking at Lovey Smith as this defensive juggernaut, but he has, just him as a coach, he has not evolved with the time. And this Tampa 2 defense, it has to go. But, John, unfortunately, to answer your question, I'm not too sure if we're going to see the changes that we want to see because at the end of the day, none of these, nobody on the coaching staff is going nowhere, and they are making the wrong adjustments. Absolutely. That Tampa 2 defense has been like a dinosaur. You know, it's kind of, you know <laughs> – Hey man, it's not working anymore. It's, it's, it's a dinosaur in the room. The extension process, uh, you know, is is the meteor has hit. They're clearing out. You only need it <laughs> for a side show at the museum, and, and that's what this team has been defensively. Uh, you're showing us something that just isn't going to be relevant in today's time. Desmond King did not play on Sunday due to disciplinary actions, and then before we move over to the offense, uh, I'm sorry, not Titus Howard. Texas wide receiver Brandon Cooks call the the I'm sorry. Texas wide receiver Brandon Cooks did call the team undisciplined after the coach. And he said there's not much progress since then. And so I want to use that so we can so we can move on to the offensive side of the ball in today's episode. Also, I want to let you guys know about direct TV stream. That's what I want to tell you about. A simple way to get all of your entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place, ladies and gentlemen. For the best part and the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop that waiting. Get your TV life together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com 
That's directtv.com. More Texans talk coming up. We got to get into this offense, man. They have been bad. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. You know we got you covered on all things Texan, but with the trade deadline right around the corner, don't miss out on our NFL trade deadline show. Reaction to every move plus the second half season preview and much more. Catch the show live. And for you Houston Texan fans, you definitely need to catch the show because we may or may not have some transactions going on before the trade deadline date. So catch the show live from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time, November 2nd, on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. And really quick, before moving on, I do want to drop this little tidbit in. Please be sure to go check out the Houston Texans trade deadline special that John and I did here yes. on Locked On Texans. We're going to talk a lot. And ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be trade talks that does not involve Deshaun Watson. <laughs> but Continuing here on this Monday installment of Locked On Texans, of course, John and I are going to continue to break down the Houston Texans 38 to 22 loss at the hands of the Los Angeles Rams. Your Houston Texans now sit at one and seven on the season with a very interesting game coming up as they go up against the Miami Dolphins next Sunday. They are also one and seven as well. But ladies and gentlemen, we talked about the defensive side of the ball. Now we're going to talk about this offense and look. John, listeners, this offense is terrible. Yes. And I, I said this last week, and I'm going to sound like a broken record because I'm going to say it again. Tim Kelly has done a disservice. horrendous, a disservice to the Houston Texans offense. I understand it. This isn't Deshaun Watson under center. I understand that this isn't Tyrod Taylor under center. But he has to give Davis Mills more leeway. And I get it. You, I, I, under, I understand we have seen the good of Davis Mills, and we have seen the ugly version of Davis Mills, and we have seen the law have mercy. Get this man off the field, Davis Mills. But you can't because you got Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. <laughs> exactly. But at the end of the day, in order to see what you truly have in Davis Mills before you draft a quarterback or acquire another quarterback in a trade, you have to go out there and see Davis Mills. We're going to talk about this more so in the, in the final segment, but – Davis Mills has shown that he is at his best when the offense is up-tempo. Let's keep it going. Tim Kelly is holding this team back with every single time he's going out there to start the game with these conservative plays. And the one play that bugged my nerve the most came, I think it was late in the first quarter. The Texans were on their own four-yard line. It was first and four, and Tim Kelly ran the ball with David Johnson out of all people. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why run the ball when Davis Johnson is your least productive running back? Why run the ball when your offensive line has been terrible? It was already kind of subpar when everybody was healthy in their run blocking. Now it's even worse because the three main guys who were supposed to hold up this offensive line in Laramie Tunsil, Justin Britt, and Marcus Cannon, all three of these guys are hurt and they're not on the field. Why in the hell are you running the ball? But I say all that just to say, when I look at Tim Kelly, when and John, I'm going to save the Davis Mills portion for you. It's hard for me to, to really analyze this offense because the offensive line is god-awful right now. And like I just mentioned, this is an offensive line who has lost three of their top players, at least two in Justin Britt and Laramie Tunsil. This, <laughs> Davis Mills was sacked five times. 
And four of those five sacks came in the third quarter within seven plays of one another. And John, I'm not making. I'm not making no excuses for Davis Mills. I'm not making no excuses for Tim Kelly. But just to me, I feel like we cannot talk about this offense like we want because this offensive line is God off. I don't think there's no quarterback that can really lead this team to a victory with how bad this offensive line is, man, especially an unproven quarterback like Davis Mills. So – before I hop into the rest of the offense, one thing that we've gotten away from viewers and listeners are the NBAs. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm okay with giving NBAs to the wide receiving group. Okay. Brandon Cooks caught his six catches for 83 yards. Nico Collins, like I mentioned, four catches for 55. Akins, we finally had an opportunity to see Akins involved in the passing game because Farrell Brown didn't play. So between Akins and Brevin Jordan, Akins had five catches for 53 yards. Brevin Jordan had three catches for 41 yards. So they combined eight catches on the day with uh, 94 yards. That's very positive and one touchdown between the two. Uh, you got Burkhead involved in the passing game. Chris Conley and Chris Moore com- combined for three catches for uh, what is this, 51 yards. I'm sorry, for 40 yards. And so I think in NBA, you can't give it to the wide receiver core because they are being handcuffed right now. One thing I mentioned – last week was I think one player that would definitely love the return of Tyrod Taylor would be Brandon Cooks but I, because I think his limitations have came at, his production wise because of the limitation of quarterback now I want to move on to the offense as a whole we're looking at Tim Kelly for the substandard offense that they've been calling for the entirety of the year and you're right to call out some of the play calling when you know your offensive line has been what it is, and when you know that you had, uh, I think, four games now, you've rushed under 50 yards with over 10 attempts, and you know that this team has had issues with protecting their quarterback, and Davis Mills, who normally has done a good job, and he did on, on yesterday because we see five sacks. It could have been more, but he does do a very good job at times of using his feet to escape the pocket, and especially when he did it one when he spent out and had a big pass, I want to say, to – uh, Chris Conley on the sideline. But overall, yeah, when I look at this offense, if I'm teams, this offense is a mirror of your defense right now. For one, it's struggling, missing pieces. But it's very predictable, super predictable. They came out in the second half, and the reporter, you know, during the game, they, well, how, what do you think? What did David Cullen say? You know what he said? Well, we just need to run the ball. I mean, can I get some sprinkles on that vanilla? Because that's the type of offense you're running right now. It's They are still trying to create this identity that they wanted in the preseason, that they wanted throughout the offseason, something that they can establish the identity and hang it on and lean on. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry to cut you off, John, but I'm still confused. And now I'm starting to get to the point where I'm really starting to get irritated by David Coates. Why in the hell do you still want your team to run the ball when you do not have a run game to begin with and you traded your best person in the backfield and Mark Ingram? I just it's, That just doesn't make no type of sense to me. And by the way, David Johnson, who was your starting running back against the Rams, rushed for four yards on two attempts. 
Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. And we have been calling for Scotty Phillips. He had five carries for 11 yards on the day. That was his first game plan uh, of, of the season for Houston, getting some rushing attempts. Phillip Lindsay had three carries for eight yards. Nobody in this run game looked good, man. And Nobody. The, the, sad, the sad fact is, number one, they're going to be stuck with it. Unless they strike a trade by the deadline and they bring in a running back or maybe a lineman to help boost what they can do in the run game, this is what it's going to be. This is this is going to be the trend that Houston has to hang their hat on. And I say that because they haven't shown at least through eight weeks that they're going to do anything differently. They, they haven't shown, even in the run game, there hasn't been a lot of creativity. One thing that I love about Kyle Shanahan, and I've been on record by praising him, is how he gets the run game involved. There's a lot of misdirection when you look at his teams in Atlanta, when you look at his team uh, in, in 49ers, with the 49ers. Both of those teams were good run teams when they had their Super Bowl run. And it's how creative he gets in their run game. Now when I look at your, your options for the entirety of the year, Mark Ingram, uh, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, uh, uh, Rex Burkhead, have they been utilized or are they not good enough in order for you to put a game plan and creativity around them to get them involved in that run game? I'm not sure on that answers, viewers and listeners at home, but I will say that this team as a coaching staff has not done a good job in making the run game easier to execute. They have not. And I would like to say that Mark Ingram – he rushed for an average of 4.5 yards per carry, six carries for 27 yards in his first game with the New Orleans Saints, and they got a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just want to throw that out there just to let you guys know what's going on. I don't know if Houston needs some milk or maybe a Bilt Bar, the best protein, the best tasting protein bar ever made. If you haven't tried a Bilt Bar, Houston fans, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar. I've had it myself does not taste like one. It tastes like an amazing chocolate bar with so many different flavors. Most protein bars are chalky, waxy, or just plain hard to chew. Bill Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more than just an experience that you enjoy for one day. In fact, you swear you're eating the candy bar. Bill Bar is a low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, low-sugar, High in protein, so all the healthy benefits on top of just being so damn good. And a lot of flavors on top of that. The coconut almond, the salted caramel, the double chocolate. I can keep going. There is something for everyone. This month, Bill Bar is coming out with a new limited time flavor every three to four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And also, we are back and better than ever, ladies and gentlemen, with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason. God, I hope the Astros pull this one out. Boxing, NHL, UFC, 
right to your favorite Vegas casino games. You don't want to wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available at the 2021 season for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sport. BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, the message is it doesn't matter who's out there. This is the NFL. You know, you just play, and you, you play the best that you can play. You do the best that you can do. And at that situation, those guys out there playing didn't know who's out there who's not there, who's not playing, or if it's the first team or the second team. They're just playing football. David Culley really said <laughs> that the Texans did not know who was out there, whether it was the first team or the second team. They was just playing football. <laughs> Just, 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 just go out there and play. We don't, we, we can't tell a difference when Matthew Stafford is, is, is under center for the Rams. We don't know the difference with Aaron Donald. Yeah, one of one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and he has always been. As a matter of him, as a matter of fact, he has made me a believer because I just thought he was putting up empty stats. But clearly, you know, it was the organization. By the way, they don't know when Aaron Donalds is on the opposite side of that line, line of scrimmage, who is arguably what the greatest offensive in over the last yeah. 10 years. The only one who can challenge him is, is J.J. Watt. Like, mm, yeah. they really. I got a buddy that, you know, my boy uh, Coop, man, he feels like Aaron Donald is the greatest defensive tackle of all time. Honestly, you could debate him and J.J. Watt over the last 10 years. Now, he, he says it all the time, but that's the magnitude last 10 years, but that's the magnitude. The of, magnitude of. Um, Great he is, and you don't notice he's not on the field right now. Yeah, yeah, you we don't notice him. And by the way, he don't know when it's the first string, second string, or third string. He he didn't notice it. He all he saw his team just put up twenty two unanswered points to close out the game. And, and with that, be- <laughs> I, I do want to say this, man. That's good. All right, at least you scored something because Houston. I mean, let's look at their numbers really quick. If we, if we just got a moment to just check them out over the last couple of games. And we know how how much they've struggled before those 22 points. Let's look at that. Okay. So far this year, this year, they didn't score against the Bills. Only three points against the Colts. Only five points against the Cardinals. So, you know, they've had moments this year where they've looked like a team that they are. Poor, poorly coached. Poorly prepared, the the lesser talented team, and so in that third quarter, man, they looked like it was going to be another another game where you didn't score a point at all. Yeah, and I look at it like I, I got two ways to look at it because I'm fair and I know the situation. I'm not the type to know the situation and then attack the situation without being fair about it. You guys are in a very bad spot. Houston is in a very bad spot. So many different ways, right? But it is encouraging that your team saw an opportunity to at least give some of the fans that came out to the game, some of the people that genuinely love this team, and not only that, more importantly, the millionaires that got to play gave yourself something to be prideful about, in a sense, when walking off that field. You don't want to have too many games where you're only scoring three or five games or no points at all, right? And Davis Mills, I talked about him a little bit. He went into that fourth quarter with only 91 passing yards and ended the mm-hmm. game with 310, I want to say, or 301 or something along those lines and uh, two touchdowns. So mm-hmm. that's encouraging. 
Not going to take that away from them. Not at all. But, excuse me, they got a lot of more comfortable and creative in that fourth quarter where there weren't any other uh, starters on the other opposite side of the ball for them. That message was, we don't really trust this team offensively to do this consistently against players of their same caliber and really in Houston's case this year of a more better caliber than what we have on offense. That's not fair. That's not fair. If you're going to go out swinging, go out swinging. Don't just limit your players until it's uneven and now you have an opportunity to uh, to strike while the iron's hot. And that's a message to the coaching staff, not the players. I like that the players went out there and fought. Even though when Brandon Cook scored his touchdown, he, he wanted to do the arrow, but he saw the score. And we know that Brandon Cooks have not been happy as of late. So he barely did it. And it was just, it wasn't as animated as he would normally do. Hmm. Uh, Brevin Jordan got his first touchdown. So you're happy to see that for a young guy. Burkhead got a touchdown. It was good to see them just go out on a positive a note. Because when you score 22 unanswered points, that's positive, whether a starter is on the field or not. I get what you're saying. And John, to your point, I do agree with you because at the end of the day, this is a team that went 12 straight quarters without scoring a touchdown. I mean, prior to Rick Burkhead scoring the first touchdown in that fourth quarter, the last touchdown that this team scored came during that flea flicker when Davis Mills threw to Chris Conley. You're talking about three straight games, 12 quarters. Right. And these are professionals. And these are professionals as well. And the fact that they did not score a touchdown since week five says a lot. But to me, John, it's hard for me to get excited about them scoring 22 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, especially knowing that they was playing against the Rams C team at the moment. And I, the one thing I would say about that fourth quarter, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, this it, it just shows that, this team needs to stop being so conservative in their play call. And I get it. You do not trust Davis Mills. But one, and Davis Mills even said it during his pregame, during his postgame press conference, that he is more comfortable when he can go out there, make decisions. It's a no huddle offense. And there's just it's it's quick tempo. It's quick tempo. You know, I'm gonna pass it to you, I'm gonna get it to you, I'm gonna give it to you. He said it's a lot easier to get into a rhythm when you're doing that versus. First and 10, we hand the ball off to David Johnson. We might get lucky and get two yards out of that run. Second quarter, second play, you know, we're going to do a play action. Third third down, it makes sense to throw the ball. Oh, we're going to trust Scotty. Like, this team is so predictable in their play calling. They have always been, but now it's 10 times worse because you don't have Deshaun Watson out there on the field that could create something out of nothing when you have a predictable play caller like Tim Kelly. But – at this point, you're one in seven. You know what you need to see, even more so what you have in Davis Mills. What it, what, what do this team has to lose? That's what I'm looking at. Like the aggressive play call. Well, I think they already lost fans, unfortunately, because that NRG stadium, I've never seen it that empty. And I'm not lying to you, John. But I'm sitting there and I'm taking a look at this team at one and seven. You're not playing for anything. Go out there and be aggressive to see what do you have in your young guys outside of Davis Mills. Nico Collins has looked great since he came back from injury. I love what I saw out of Bourbon Jordan. Like, just go out there and just let these guys play. 
I understand it. 2200 answer points, and I know some people are looking at this and saying, well, it could build momentum going into the Miami game. We said the Who, same thing. What is seven? But look, I don't want to use that as a as a reason to get hyped about them scoring 22 unanswered points because remember that game against the Carolina Panthers? They let Davis Mills run a hurry up offense. And what we said, oh man, that could be momentum going into that next game. They got blown out. They got blew out by the Buffalo Bills 40 to nothing. That game against the New England Patriots, we say, oh, man, you know, despite the heartbreaking loss, this is going to give them a lot of lot of confidence and it could create momentum going into the, the next game against the Indianapolis Colts. Not only did they not score in 12 straight quarters, but they got blown out in every single one of those games. And prior to Rex Burkhead ending the drought, they was down 38 to 0. 20, 22 on answer points in the fourth quarter doesn't do it, it doesn't do nothing for me, John and listeners. I'm sorry. We'd like to say this before we end the show. Brandon Cooks, who has gave us a lot of great quotes and one-liners, uh, talked about the season. He said it's tough. It's one of those tough ones. And the building, he said, it's building on me. My faith is my my foundation. I genuinely think there's light at the end, and I think the light at the end for Brandon Cooks would actually be being moved on. He's too great of a talent to go through a season like this when you bought in and believe in the uh, head coach. With that being said, I'm John, some sports guy. Oh, my gosh. Follow us on Twitter. Like my hat. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Facebook. And, of course, use those same fingers of yours and go to YouTube, subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube at Locked On Texans. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, when you get done with this latest installment of Locked On Texans, be sure to go check out our trade day line special. If we talk about guys like Brandon Cooks, the possibility of them moving on from Zach Cunningham, Charles Aminu, everyone not named Deshaun Watson. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.